Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Crisis Management, the podcast edition. I'm Alicia Sikirska. Summer has officially arrived in Canada. People are getting vaccinated, families are going on vacation, and parliamentarians are taking a break too. Last week, the House of Commons officially broke for the summer, but many wonder if the session will even return in September. The Liberals hold a minority government, and with economies reopening and life getting back to normal, some are speculating that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will look to turn that minority into a majority in the fall. On our live stream video program, Sean Spear from the Public Policy Forum and I talked about a potential fall federal election. I asked Sean whether he thinks we'll be going to the polls in a few months' time. It's really interesting. It's, I, I don't think most Canadians who don't spend a lot of time watching parliamentary debates realize that um, as Parliament wrapped up uh, this week, um, parliamentarians that don't intend to run in, in a forthcoming election, whenever that is, delivered their farewell speeches, a, a real sign that, you know, those on the inside don't expect that they'll be back come the fall. So, you know, I think uh, Canadians will be surprised to discover that they may have political candidates knocking at their doors and seeking their votes. It seems highly likely um, that um, come the summer and early fall, Alicia, we could be into a federal election campaign where um, Prime Minister Trudeau is looking to restore the majority government that he lost in 2019. And if you look at a lot of polls, including, I think, Canadians' general views on the government's performance in COVID, if I was a viewer, um, I'd be getting ready. I think we the, the likelihood of an election is, is much higher than not, um, you know, in part because of the progress that we've seen on vaccines. You know, it's almost as if as we, the performance when it comes to vaccines has improved, the enthusiasm on the part of elected officials to get out and hold an election ha has increased in, in parallel. And so all this to say, uh, we, we may be having a vote uh, sooner rather than later. So as Sean said there, he thinks Canadians should be getting ready to head to the polls in the fall. It's been nearly two years since the Liberals won that minority parliament, but so much has changed since. And a fall election would be unlike any other, given the COVID-19 pandemic. After we wrapped up the live show, Sean and I dug a little deeper into what a potential election would look like in the coming weeks. I think the first thing I'll be looking for, Alicia, is the appointment of a governor general. As listeners will know, uh, in order for the prime minister to um, seek the dissolution of parliament and to kick off an election campaign, um, he'll need the concurrence of the governor general. Um, since Julie Payette's uh, resignation, um, we've been without uh, a full-time governor general. And so it seems to me the first signal um, that Mr. Trudeau and his government um, are seeking uh, an election campaign um, you know, in the coming weeks will be the appointment of a governor general. Dominic LeBlanc, the House leader, 
um, for the government um, signaled that we may have the recommendation of a governor general from this group of Canadians that uh, the prime minister had appointed to to carry out that search. So I think that's the probably the first sign um, that election may be coming sooner rather than later. And then, of course, um, I think the second thing will be something we talked about on the live stream, uh, which is ongoing progress on vaccinations. You know, it seems to me that uh, the, the federal government may have been reluctant to seek an election campaign when Canada's performance on vaccines was middling. Um, but as we've continued to see significant progress really across the country, and I think a growing sense on the part of Canadians that we're reaching um, a, a kind of corner when it comes to um, vaccines in particular and the pandemic more generally, I think that'll be a, another crucial factor um, in the, the government's decision to seek an election, you know, based, I think, on the not unreasonable idea um, that they can be reelected with a, with an elusive majority, you know, based on the sense of, of good feelings and sentiments um, that come from vaccinations and the reopening of Canada's economy and society. Mm-hmm. And so do you see that the election would be, would the Trudeau government be hoping to make it kind of a referendum on their uh, on their job through COVID-19? Or what, what would, will the issues be? in a potential election in the fall? That's a great question. I, I, I think, um, maybe just to start my answer by saying, you know, just keep in mind that the government needs to orchestrate um, an election here, that we're in a minority parliament. Uh, an election can only really come uh, for two reasons. One, a vote of non-confidence. And, you know, we, we didn't have one of those through the, the spring sitting. Um, and it's not entirely clear that the different opposition parties would um, work together to uh, register a vote of non-confidence of, on the government and precipitate an election. So the, the only other option is that the government, in, in effect, um, uh, seeks dissolution on its own. Um, and it seems to me the basis for that, the argument the government will make, is that the electoral mandate that it received in the 2019 election campaign um, sought through the management of the pandemic. Um, but that it now must seek a new mandate from Canadians to manage the recovery, in effect, to carry out its vision for a green recovery um, and, you know, some of the other priorities that it articulated in its recent budget, including, of course, a, a national childcare plan. So I think the government will be framing um, the, the rationale for an election and in turn its pitch to Canadians around which party um, is better placed to manage um, the recovery and um, Canada's future coming out of the pandemic. I suspect, though, that some of the opposition parties, I think the Conservative Party, for instance, um, will try to uh, relitigate some of the choices that the government made during the pandemic, whether it's um, initial decision to um, uh, and, uh, pursue a partnership with China on vaccine development, and of course, the recent um, controversy in Parliament about the firing of two um, Canadian scientists at the uh, Winnipeg National Microbiology Lab for sharing uh, different sources of research with a, a re- research lab in China. 
um, in, in Wuhan province, in fact. So I guess that's a long way of saying, I think that uh, on one hand, um, that the Liberal Party, that the government uh, re-election pitch will be about the future and um, the recovery. And it may be the case that on the other hand, that the different parties, particularly the conservative parties, try to make it about the past and the government's performance in the pandemic. And I think, you know, how Canadians choose to think about which a party to vote for will you know, rest on um, this competition between um, the future and the past. And I can't help but think um, that that may be good news uh, for Mr. Trudeau and the Liberal Party. Is that going to be the challenge then for the opposition is to keep the conversation on the pandemic performance and and the perhaps shortfalls of the government? Will that be an easy task for them through a potential election? I, I, I'm not so sure. Um, I think uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I think Canadians are you know generally prepared to give Canadian governments the benefit of the doubt during the pandemic. We've seen, for instance, those governments incumbent governments that sought re-election during the pandemic rewarded. Um, so, you know, I think uh, assumption on the part of the opposition parties that a focus on pandemic performance will be bad for the government may be proven wrong. But the second is kind of more fundamental, Alicia. Uh, it seems to me that Canadians want to vote for something, not against something. And so if the opposition parties go into the election campaign, whether it's in July or August or September, uh, assuming um, that simply litigating a case against the government's performance on the pandemic will be enough to win election, I, th- I, th- I think that's a false, uh, a false set of political assumptions. That um, you know, if Mr. Trudeau and the Liberal Party are articulating a vision for the future, the onus will be on the different opposition parties. Um, to put forward competing visions for the future. And uh, um, I think it's fair to say at this stage, Aaron O'Toole, the Conservative Party leader, and Jagmeet Singh, um, the leader of the New Democratic Party, you know, have not done that. Um, and I, I think that'll be the real test test for them, um, you know, if and when we end up um, on the campaign trail. Yeah. And uh, I mean, an election has been, we've been speculating about it for essentially the last year or so, uh, especially as we saw some provinces go uh, and, and call elections and then convert minorities into majorities, which is clearly something that the Trudeau government wants to do here. And so when it comes to the timing of it and waiting until the point where we are vaccinated and is that going to be a safer bet, I guess, for the Trudeau government? Do you think the timing has played a key part here? I think so. Um, You know, I think Alicia had the Trudeau government sought to precipitate an election earlier, particularly in a world of significant lockdowns. Um, Yeah, I I think Canadians may have punished them, you know, for, you know, appearing to be too politically crass. to say nothing of just the kind of practical limits of running a national campaign at a time when we couldn't have large gatherings and so on. Um, and so I, I think, you know, at this stage, uh, especially if the campaign comes in the, you know, in August and into the early fall, not only will our vaccine performance have been clear for Canadians, um, just the kind of practicalities of running a national campaign will be much easier. You know, we'll be able to have something approximating normal campaign rallies and, you know, cross-country trips and this sort of thing. So 
I think the government was prudent not to precipitate an election earlier in the pandemic and, you know, is betting now that for some of the reasons we've talked about here and on the live stream show, um, that um, Canadians will um, be in a kind of rewarding mood and restore the majority government that the Liberal Party lost in 2019. I think that's the bet they're making. And, you know, from my vantage point, um, it doesn't strike me as a bad bet. And so you've you've been there before. What's happening with the opposition parties? Are they getting ready for an election? Do you expect that that they're preparing to hit the campaign trail sometime in the fall right now? Yes. Um, you know, one of the consequences of living in a minority parliament is you never sort of take your foot fully off the gas. You know, you're always planning for the potential eventuality. You're you're nominating candidates. You're working on platforms. You know, you might have an airplane that's um, you know, kind of notionally booked, but given the the kind of signals that we're getting out of Mr. Trudeau and key spokespeople for the Liberal Party, um, those activities I think have probably gone from the back burner to the front burner for these opposition parties. That they are um, kind of ramping up their own activities to be ready for an election campaign. It's going to be fascinating, Alicia. You know, we saw an election campaign in in the U.S., uh, of course, in the context of COVID. As you mentioned, we've seen some provincial governments run campaigns um, during the pandemic. Um, But this will be, I think, a real test, both of how Canadians feel about the pandemic, how they feel about the future. But as I say, just some of the interesting practicalities of campaigning. You know, people are anticipating that business life is going to change post-pandemic with more remote work and this sort of thing based on, um, you know, the use of technology like the one we're, we're using to record this podcast. One wonders if we'll see a bit of a different type of campaign whenever it happens. We'll see more social media events, fewer large-scale traditional rallies, um, more use of Zoom and, and other platforms to, to reach audiences. I, I wonder if the pandemic hasn't just changed work life, but that it may have some lasting impacts um, the way we do political communications and political campaigns. And, and you know, obviously a, an elections a campaign sometime in the coming weeks will be the first test of that. A COVID-19 federal election. We will have never experienced that before, and it'll certainly be something to keep track of. Definitely we'll be keeping a close eye on the governor general announcement. I I feel like you're right. That will be a significant signal for a potential election. Uh, But Sean, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks, Alicia. It's always great to connect. That's all for today. You can find the latest video episodes of Crisis Management on the Yahoo Finance Canada website. And if you'd like to hear more of the exclusive content in this podcast, make sure you subscribe. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.